Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a screaming shout. I love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. Oh, oh man. I've oh, been boy. excited to do this one. I've been excited because I've been on an absolute high. I was brought down a little bit because of the Indiana women's basketball game. And we'll talk about that. Sure. But I would be, le- I'd be more upset if I didn't know that Indiana women's basketball is the best team in the country, in my opinion, and the yeah. best team in the conference. And they lost because the whole world was against them in that game. And they still fought like hell and should have won. But I don't want to get into that right now. I'm still on a high from Saturday. How good does it feel to beat Purdue at Purdue? It's the best. It's the best. You talk about still being on a high. So that game happens. We do the spaces on Twitter. Uh, Straight No Chaser comes on, sings the fight song. It's like, oh, man, this is a great time. But then immediately, and we had to cut the spaces short because we had to feed our families. But then my wife and I, Annie, had to go meet some friends to go watch Cocaine Bear in the theater. How was that? Uh, it was, you know, look, speaking of high, uh, I had a great time. I'm not sure you know, <laughs> normal people going in to watch it in a normal state of mind, but I, I do believe along with, you know, the condition I was in so much of it was informed by that game. Now I was with six other people who could care less about sports period, much less IU basketball. So I've got this joy inside me the whole time. And then I'm in the movie, just laughing my ass off. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is great stuff. And we walk out and everybody else is like, man, it wasn't that good. That was dumb. And I'm like, I think you could have showed me any film of any caliber and you just can't bring me down after a a genuine natural high like beating Purdue in Mackey for the first time in forever. Uh, We're not going to get into the specifics of the game because we're going to do that with our guest today. But I started watching that game. I watched the first half outside by myself with a cigar bundled up because as you know, this weekend, Oh, oh, bless you. Bless you. Sorry. Oh, oh, God. You had something on the mustache there. That was rough. Good Lord. (laughs) Hey, you know what they say? Sneeze at the truth. You sneeze at the truth. That's what they say. And I'm talking about Indiana being great. So that's the truth. I'm outside for the first half. I watch it by myself. Holly's here with 
her son and all my kids are here. And it was too damn cold. I finished my cigar and I'm like, I got to go inside. Well, and we FaceTimed while you were out there and there'd be the puff of smoke from your cigar and then your breath would be right following after that. Yeah, it was it was it was too much. So I came inside and you and I are similar. We don't like to be distracted when we watch the game. We don't like a lot of other noise going on. Everybody was on their own devices. They were talking. It was lunacy in my living room. Holly was right next to me, but it was working. Like whatever was happening was working. So I didn't get mad. There were a couple of times the girls were like playing like bombardment with a balloon that I'm like, girls, no, 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 stop that. <laughs> um, but it was working and it just kept getting better and better. And I kept looking at the score and the time and the score and the game and the score and the time and the game and then calling you and FaceTiming you and texting and can't believe it's going. And it just kept building and building and it never got bad. Right. Ever. Right. I don't remember that feeling. It just never got bad in the second half. One thing bad happened. Right when we were ending spaces at halftime, I'm on a little bit of a delay. Right. And we were talking about Trace, and you go, well, it didn't start well. The game's on. <laughs> you got to go. And I'm like, oh. So I turn it off, and I see him throw up a crazy shot, and I'm like, oh, my God. And then it just got better and better and better. Okay. Cut to Glendale, California. Yes. Uh, my my family is is my daughter's sequestered in a room. My son's napping in the room, uh, and my wife is is out in the world. And so I start watching the game by myself. As the game progresses, it gets dark out, and but it's going well. So I leave all the lights out. I noticed so, that when we FaceTimed, it was so dark. Not moving anything. So now we're at a at a point where it's about maybe 11 minutes left in the second half. Suddenly the door swings open. My wife walks into the house. My son comes out from his nap and he sits down next to me. My wife starts turning lights on. And this is, there was just a little surge where maybe we were up 11 or 12 and they get it to like nine and just a couple bad possessions in a row. And I turned to my son, I was like, Porter, you gotta go, buddy. You can't sit there. You have to leave. And then, and he's like, okay, dad. I was like, you know how in the first Purdue game, you came in here for the last five minutes and sat down and I wouldn't let you leave because it was working. He's like, uh-huh. I was like, this is just the opposite of that. You gotta go. He's like, all right, dad. And then Annie's in the kitchen. She's like, can I turn on the light to work? And I go, you know, it's all kind of working in here right now. <laughs> so she picks up the laptop, walks into the bedroom and closes the door. And so obviously things just go fantastic after the game's over. I'm giving them all high fives. I'm like, hey, look, sorry, guys. You understand. She goes, hey, I could read the room. I knew what was going on. Yeah, you got to read the room. It was, it, was, it was just fantastic. It, was, it just kept getting better. Play after play, time kept going. The time was going slow. I'll say so, that. So the, the slow. The clock was not moving at normal time. I feel like there was a gravitational pull on it that was making it go really slow, but it just kept getting better. It was one of the greatest viewing experiences of watching a game on television. It was absolutely remarkable. And it did remind me 
that we are. Powered by communitycars.com. It's so good to hear Straight No Chaser do this song because, like you said, they were on our spaces and they got to do the theme song, the fight song. It's all just so wonderful. It is absolutely the best feeling in the world. Let's leave it for a second because we're going to spend a lot of time on it. Yep. And let's go to the IU women's basketball team. Wait, right. wait, before we do that, we do have to talk about communitycars.com. We do. That's true. I'm glad you remembered because <laughs> you know I wouldn't. But, but I mean, just to be able to spend 96 hours in Bloomington in a community cars car, it's it just goes to show they got the best stuff. And they're going to give you the best service. They're going to give you the best deal. They're just going to be cool to work with. You can do it online. You can do it in person. You can do it over the phone. But what's it about? You want to get a great car you love driving around in. And every time Evan's given us one of their vehicles, which is so generous as a courtesy car to, to get us around the great state of Indiana, just like, man, what a great ride. We have so much fun in there. And, and that's you know, they make it as easy as possible to get in that car that you want. And then they got the car that you want. Yeah. And look, he he's a guy uh, and a family and a company that has supported our efforts in NIL as well. We've done a lot of these raffles this year, raffle tickets for games. He's given many of the raffle tickets away that he could have used for himself at some points. And instead, he could have given them to family. He supports IU and gives them to us to raffle off. So that's awesome. I do um, want to talk about your math a little bit. Oh, why? I when don't. You, you said 96 hours. How are you calculating that, Ward? 24, 48, 72, 96. Right. We got there on Friday evening. Friday to Saturday is 24 hours. Saturday to Sunday is 48 hours. Sunday to Monday is 72 hours. I was gone from my family for about 96 hours. <laughs> what happened? What did you do when you got back to LA? No, all of Friday, all of Saturday, all of Sunday, all of Monday. Okay, fair, fair. You said we were in Bloomington for 96 hours. Well, okay. If, if this is what, like, this is what we're going to talk about, I have done. I think this is why people tune in. <laughs> for time math i think this is why all right so community cars is just the best they're a huge support of the program by the way they did an event earlier this year with jalen hood Shafino and sydney Parrish from the women's basketball team who was a beast in the second half of that game against those assholes from iowa and i do think they're assholes i don't well, like them well and i'm i'm glad you brought up that with with Jalen and Malik being Hoosier Hysterics ambassadors, which we're oh so proud of. And again, that all goes back to Evan and Community Cars being a huge part of supporting the collective effort where these guys get to town. We immediately make a deal with them. So not only are they taken care of, their families taken care of, but then all those other guys down at Montverde being like, hey, you know, when I get to Bloomington, am I going to be taken care of? And thanks to the efforts of, of Evan and so many other people like him, yes, yes, guys, you will. So keep on coming. It's working out well for everybody. That's exactly right. So I want to talk about a couple things with the IU women's basketball game. Okay. 
I really wanted to win that game. I was worried about that game because we didn't have a lot to play for outside of just the pride of winning a game and beating Iowa, who had our number last year. But we're going to get a number one seed in the tournament. Mm -hmm. We've won the Big Ten outright. Mm -hmm. It's not going to change our seeding for the Big Ten tournament. Mm -hmm. Iowa had a sold-out crowd. They're still playing for NCAA tournament seeding. They're still playing for Big Ten tournament seeding, which matters. You know, if they lost, they would get the three seed. I think it was the three, but if they won, they got the two seed, whatever. Which maybe doesn't make a huge difference because two and three is probably about the same. That said, they had a lot to play for. And the game, the coverage of the game was disgusting. Mm -hmm. It was like Indiana was Minnesota. We are the best team in the country. Okay, maybe South Carolina is. We're certainly in that conversation. We've beaten more top 25 teams, more top 15 teams than anybody. We've won the toughest conference in basketball. We handed, handled Iowa at home. They treat Caitlin Clark like she's Jesus. They they treat the Iowa program, and it was disgusting. It made me sick. And it felt like the announcers were against us. The broadcast was against us. The fans obviously should be against us. The referees seemed to buy in to the bullshit from Iowa and anything Caitlin Clark wanted to do. And if you touched her, it was a foul. And there were several moments at the beginning of that game and throughout that Indiana could have packed it in easily. They go up. They were up like 10 to 2. They they went on other. And we just kept fighting back, kept fighting back. We didn't shoot the ball well. We didn't shoot the three that well. Kept fighting, kept fighting, kept fighting. And then we're up by two with one and a half seconds left in the game. And they hit that bullshit and and whatever. And to your point, Caitlin Clark could take 17 steps to take that shot, which is complete bullshit. But as as much as that was a dagger when that shot went through, I immediately I immediately was like, I don't think this is bad for us. Now, one, to go back to your point of like, we didn't have much to play for. They had everything to play for. But when you're talking about a team that is truly elite, like this women's team is, it's just a different mentality and mindset right. than you and I, or even most other basketball programs have of like needing that extra a peripheral stuff to get you really focused. This this team is just professional. They they just show up to win every possession on both ends of the court to win every game, regardless of any outsized noise or fanfare or stakes. Every game, every moment. But they're humans, and to have just something just jab you right in the gut right before tournament time. I think is only going to make them more terrifying for opponents. I think that's a great point. I want to mention two things that happened in the aftermath of that game that I think show something great about Indiana women's basketball. Number one, when she hit that shot, I threw my phone. Okay. And I was so angry, and I I had all that physiological response that I do when the Indiana men's team has lost. And I realized it's the same for me now. Mm. It's the same. And it's never been like that. And I was like, holy shit, Terry Morin, what you've done is incredible. The fact that I am this angry, I loved that I was that angry. The second thing, on Twitter, 
people were killing Terry Morin. Everybody wanted to have their own, oh, she should have done this. She should, by the way, most people didn't even understand the rules because a lot of people were saying Mackenzie Holmes should have missed the second free throw on purpose to waste time. What people don't realize is, one, we wouldn't have had anybody on the line because we wouldn't have risked fouling because you can't foul them. Two, in the women's game, if you get the rebound, the referees know you're calling timeout right away, so no time really goes off the clock, maybe point one or point two, and then you advance the ball the same way they did. So it wouldn't have made a difference. But my point is there was a ton of activity for you know, keyboard warriors that were insulting Terry Morin and criticizing her, and it made me smile. I'm like, welcome to the big leagues. This is what happens when people really care about your program they critique you. They think they know better than you. Welcome to what's been going on with the men's program for years. And that shouldn't be taken as offensive to Indiana women's basketball. It should be taken as a sense of pride that you guys have so elevated this program to the point where you're fair game. Because I do think that there has been a portion of the fan base that's like, over the last few years, we should root for Indiana women's basketball because we should because we should support women's sports, because that's, you know, the thing that we should do. That's not what it is anymore in Indiana. You support Indiana women's basketball because you fucking love it, and you yeah. want them to win every game. And when they don't, you're pissed off. And when the coach does something that bothers you, you put it out on Twitter on put them on blast, even if you're dead wrong. I love it, and it speaks to what Terry and these women have done for Indiana women's basketball. They are just even playing field, welcome to the big leagues. And I love it. Yeah. And look, it's not like they're completely disengaged from social media. Uh, and and any coach that, that has a heartbreaking loss like that inevitably understands there's some blowback, but you know they just don't give a shit right. about what right. the keyboard warriors are saying. They're just going to go right back to doing what they've been doing and what she's been building for nine years. And now we're looking at, obviously, it, it, across the board, uh, the the greatest regular season in IU women's basketball history. And, and they're not even thinking about that. All they're thinking about is cutting down the nets two more times, honestly. Yeah, no, they want the Big Ten Tournament Championship, and then they want the NCAA Tournament Championship. That's what this season has been about. I, I hope it's a bit of a revenge tour in the Big Ten Tournament. I want, there's a chance for us to play Michigan State in our first game. I want that game to get revenge there. Yep. And then I want Iowa in the finals. I want them in the finals on a neutral court. Who's the better team? We're the better team. We need to prove it. That was a sensational. Um, it was a sensational game. It was an awful ending. Absolutely awful ending. What else you got? That is a great way to lead us in to something that we all know is a meaning because you have this word salad coming at you and you need to tell everybody that we are brought to you by IU Ventures presents a segment without pretense who's your hoop live just for you nailed it first time <laughs> I don't know what you said but we nailed it Look, it's it's just about spike in the volley, setting the volleyball so you can spike it, which you did. Uh, which IU Ventures 
seemingly is doing now, definitely is doing now, and will be for a long, long time in the future. Talk to our listeners about what IU Ventures is and why they should go to iuventures.com and check it out for themselves. Well, that's where it starts. Go to iuventures.com, sign up for the free email newsletter, no commitment, no obligation. Sign up so you get updates on what they're doing. IU Ventures is basically a three-legged stool. One of the legs is the free newsletter that gets the widest possible group of Hoosiers to be involved in what they're doing. The other two legs are, they're basically the shark tank of Indiana University. They're the only entity of Indiana University that's actually writing checks to entrepreneurs and people who control intellectual property and inventors to support them in their businesses. So they are a fund that finances new businesses. The only catch is you got to be an IU student, faculty, alumni, or staff. That's it, which is awesome. So all these businesses are run by, created by, IU Hoosiers. That's the first, that's the first leg. The second leg, we or the third leg we already talked about. I don't know which numbers anymore. I don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but there's three legs. One of them is the email newsletter, one of them is that they finance. And then the other one is people like us, anybody listening, can become an angel investor. You can put your money into these companies that are run by students, faculty, staff, or alumni of Indiana University and make a little return on your investment while also supporting Indiana University businesses. Now, if somebody listening did not go to Indiana University, can they can they put their money in? They absolutely can. Take advantage. You made a mistake. You didn't go to Indiana University. Here's your chance to rectify it. Put your money into IU-run and created businesses. We're sorry that you weren't able to get into Indiana the first time around. All apologies. But make it right with you, your family, and the Lord by putting in money to these IU-run businesses. That's IUVentures.com. Go there for more information. And that means it's time for our Hoosier Hoopla segment with a very special guest. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. How we doing? You there? Brian? I'm sorry, Dutch? Dutch, are you there? Can't hear you. There we go. You there? Sir. Here we go. Here we How go. How we doing, guys? We're great. Good. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's just get right into it. Are we going to get to see you today? Uh, maybe in a little bit. Just keep, just keep rooting for it. Okay. Okay. All right, board. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, well, he might as well just be the third co-host on the show at this point, but I think as things progress with this season, it just gets more and more fun to have him. He's in a good mood. We're in a good mood. Who is this mystery man? I mean, he's the guy that everybody was texting me and direct messaging me on Twitter and posting to say, you need to get him on. Why don't we have a podcast already? They wanted it seconds after the game on Saturday. He is former Big Ten Player of the Year. He hails from Terre Haute. He played in the NBA. He is the man of many opinions, often wrong, never in doubt. Please welcome Brian Dutch Evans. 
So let's start with this Dutch. What's the deal with Dutch? You told me your nickname's Dutch now. Yeah, it's starting to take off, guys. It's a big deal. <laughs> I'll make you your deal. I'll make you deal. I'll call you Dutch if you call me T-Bone. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into what the main attraction is here, let is, let's talk about Dutch because what I find fascinating about the nickname Dutch, clearly it has been the nickname of, for some very legendary people in the past. But mm -hmm. this was not a nickname bestowed onto you. This was a nickname that you wanted, correct? And later in life. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's a little bit awkward. You're trying to give yourself a nickname. Right. Um, I just didn't like what I had going. I got, you know, just a very common name. And I don't want people calling me Brian or then some guys, you know, Hoopers back in the day, it was B.F. You know, it's okay. It's all right. But that's like J-Lo. And J-Lo kind of ruined BF. <laughs> I mean, I had it first. But um, Yeah, you had it first. I had it first. And then Reagan died. And I saw this, well, obviously, a long time ago. But I saw a, uh, a show on him. And just a great president, remarkable guy. And I thought it was cool as hell. This guy was a movie star. And everyone called him Dutch. And I was like, that is awesome. And then I was thinking, who? I wonder who gave him this nickname. Why well, don't I have anybody like that in my life? You know, well, I should have a cool nickname. And uh, as it turned out, then I, and I, was, I turned my attention to Darren Dalton. Right? He was a Dutch. Thought about him, catcher for the Phillies. He passed away. And I don't know. It just one day, it just hit me that the name's available, and and, and I think it should be my nickname. Well, and so I just all I did, I told just a few buddies. I said, hey, from now on, it's Dutch. <laughs> And I was kidding, obviously. And it kind of took off. So four or five guys, my father-in-law, they, they, you know, in their phones, they changed me to Dutch. And then, you know, it was out of a joke. And then, you know what? It started getting some early adoption. I had a, um, a friend of one of my daughters at a volleyball game the other day. She walked past me. She goes, hey, Dutch. And I was like, it's really taking off, guys. It's really happening. I got the next generations using it. It's, it's yeah. good stuff. It, it is. It's it's rare that, I mean, this is like in your 30s that you told people to start calling you Dutch. That's a rare occurrence to try to adopt no, this name. No, this was 40s, guys. I'm, oh. I'm knocking on the door of 50 later this year. This is probably about, I've been at this for probably four years now, five <laughs> years. Good things take time. No, I, I didn't expect some overnight adoption thing, but it no, it's going good. I mean, I've, I've got a couple places in town when I walk in to, People that work there will say, Dutch! I'm telling you, that feels great. <laughs> Listen, uh, Brian, are you a fan of Seinfeld? Yes. So so you get the T-Bone reference that that was George Costanza trying to give himself a nickname. Yes, I do. And And you think it's okay to be like George Costanza? Well, you're trying to be like George Costanza and trying to take the T-Bone name. I, I'm just, I'm doing what I'm doing over here, and I don't know that I need you to call me that, so I, I'm not going to call you T-Bone in exchange for one West Coast guy calling me Dutch. I, I've got the Dutch thing going on over here, okay? All I right, know, okay. But as you know, uh, Dutch, things often, trends, fads, 
movements start on the coasts first and then make their way to the heartland. That is how things tend to operate. We could really be a front for you out here on the West Coast, start it out here and just fill in the gap from here to Indiana. I mean, that's a kind of a big deal. And the deal would be know, let's not let's not look, take the listeners' time with this. We no, can talk no, about look, the whole Dutch movement later. You you call me T Bone and you call Eric Tumbles, and then we'll start calling you Dutch. Tumbles and T Bone. No deal. No deal. Um, I, I don't even like I'm, that deal. Yeah, I know. I mean, it was just a, t- a chance to take. All a right, let's get into it. Dutch Saturday <laughs> at Purdue. Big time game for so many reasons. Uh, let's just hear, let's start broad strokes. Give us your overall feeling after that game while you watched it. Give us some thoughts. Well, first, I have recorded it. I haven't seen the game and I, it's not been spoiled for me yet. So I don't, I don't, I, I thought we were talking about something else. I, so. <laughs> Oh, Dutch. Well, Dutch, that is classic Dutch right there. (laughs) Oh, that's so true. That is such a Dutch move. Yeah, so Dutch. Um, Man, just, you know, I got some spring in my step today. It it was just so much fun watching those guys go up there and and hang in there. You know, the first thing they had to do was hang in and withstand that, you know, that slow start. And I got to admit, I was blown away by our team. And the mental fortitude that they showed, and just the toughness that they that they brought to Lafayette, not not easy to do, guys. And I'm fired up for them. They've got, I think, they've got reason to really believe in themselves more, certainly more now than they ever have. Well, let's let's start with the most obvious uh, reason for the team coming away with the victory. Uh, the stellar performance by JHS, just hitting shots. Jalen Hood Shafino. Tell us, tell us what you felt, what you thought, what you think about a performance like that from a freshman point guard. Well, I mean, I'm going to sound like everybody else. That was unbelievable to watch. Um, you know, we'd seen that he's capable, right, of playing. Sure. You know, we've we've struck this guy's his his composure, the way he moves, never getting out of you know into the wrong gear. I mean, he's playing at his pace. I mean, he he's shown that from day one. And he's played well in enough games that we've seen he's capable of a performance. But to do it there, you know, when they had a week off to prepare and they really needed that win, you know, it's not like they don't want to beat us. I I did not like our chances going into the game. I'm not afraid to say that. I, I really didn't like him. Um, but for a kid, you know, his age has never walked in that building. I mean, he's 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 got a toughness and a, and a moxie about him that, you know, doesn't come around very often. That's for sure. The, the the stat line in that game, the performance in that game, in scoring all the different ways that he did. I mean, the we've said it. The dude's a pro, and he's going to be a pro really soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, Brian Dutch. Sorry, you <laughs> uh, you played eight games against Purdue in your four years. I believe you went. What was it, Ward? Four and four. Correct. You won one time in Mackey, uh, and and they beat you at Assembly Hall one time. How good does it feel from a player perspective to win there? What do you remember about your win there? I think it came in your freshman year. 
but what what do you remember just about winning there that is different than winning at Minnesota, let's say? Oh man, it's I mean it's not the same thing. Can't compare them. I I, I know this, you know, to win as a freshman and never again, uh, and played a couple closes. I want to say an overtime game as a sophomore. Um, I think a pretty close game, a really close game as a junior, and I, and I can't remember the score of the last year, but it's it's kind of like going to the Final Four. You know, my redshirt year, you just you're you're new, you're trying to get your bearings, and you're seeing all these places for the first time. You know, going to the Final Four seemed like this is what you do when you go to Indiana, and never went back. You know, and so strange feeling, like you did all those things early, winning there. You know, when I didn't have to perform all that well. You know, that's different. And, you know, I was riding the coattails of Calvert and a great team. And I, and I played in the game and made a few shots. But, you know, when you're not carrying the load and, and we were winning all our games. I mean, at that time, we're undefeated in the Big Ten. I don't know. We were 12, 13 and 0 at the time. Just felt like we win all our games. And so, right. you know, starting from that position, you know, certainly through the years, gained more and more appreciation for what it takes to try to win there, especially when you're when you're carrying more of the load and the burden of of you having to play well in order to do it. Uh, so that, you know, winning that first time seemed pretty easy. And then I realized through the next three, you know, three years, it ain't that easy. We know you socialize with the enemy. Look, I got a couple Purdue friends. I'll admit it. But how much easier does it make your life? How much more fun is your life in these last couple of days, you know, and really the last few weeks since we beat them earlier as well compared to say the last four or five years? You know, I don't, I, I don't get it. To be honest with you guys, I don't get a lot of people trash talk to me and reminding me. I think they maybe respect me just barely enough to not talk about it when we were struggling. Right. Um, I didn't have a lot of people throwing darts at me and, and rubbing that in. Uh, and I never did. You know, if we, if we beat, if we beat them, what, you know, whatever, during the Cody Zeller years, I wasn't. I wasn't throwing darts at Purdue fans and I I'm so, I'm so close to the enemy. I mean, I know so many family people that send their kids there. I can't run around talking, talking trash all the time, but I can't tell you how great it felt to see us go in there and do that. I'm just, I'm thrilled for the guys. I mean, it's, it's such a big deal for them to go get that monkey off their back. It, it's huge. It's huge for the program. And I think to have a, you know, our, our freshman who, you know, five-star who and with coach Woodson, basically having that NBA, um, how do I want to say that? Just the NBA thing in his back pocket. Like, I'm going to bring in really good talent. We're going to develop them. They're going to play in the league because I know what it takes to play in the league. You need this guy to do it. I mean, we need this to work out. I mean, as much as we want to keep this kid, I want him to be a top 10 pick and then go kick ass in the NBA. That's going to be better for our program. So as a fan, we got to root for him. This is a big deal. And – you know, I, I think this team can make a little run. When you look when you look at Jalen, because obviously he was a man among boys in Mackey. He was like that as a professional playing in a college yeah. basketball game. But can you take a look at his game and even what we've seen develop this year and project how well he's going to do in the NBA? Do you think like, okay, he's definitely going to be a starter? Could he end up being an all-star? I mean, he's what? He's 19 at this point. Do you uh, prognosticate like that? You know, I, for me, not really. I, I'm sure the, the the pros, the pro scouts, 
or, you know, I know they're doing it, you know, I don't know how exactly they project that stuff, but I, I mean, to me, there's no reason to do it. I think it's early for that, but there's just, there's just a way about him and a, and a way he moves and, and just the going left and the finish that hesitation move mm. that was nasty early mm. in the game. Yeah. He just did a little bit of everything. He goes to his spot and he, he gets his shot. Um, you know, I, I think, I think the scouts are saying, Hey, what freshman, you know, runs the table and perform. I mean, maybe it's Anthony Davis, the last guy that was putting up stats every game and the rest of them are going to have, you know, near miss games. They just, they're not on. I haven't seen anything that disqualifies him from, you know, potentially going on to having a, an all-star career. I really don't. He's, he's got the ingredients that you need. Um, I, I don't know what his ceiling is. Is that a, you know, five-time all-star I, I i don't i don't even think that like that to be honest with you but he belongs in that league and you know it's tough you got to end up in the right spot I and mean, we look at jalen suggs people are you know uh saying oh he reminds me of him size wise being able to score all over the court in different in different spots i could see why that's a good comparison he gets drafted really high by the magic and he can't get on the court you know, he's, yeah. he's in a, he's in a, in a really bad team who's playing for the future and they've got several guards and he doesn't play. Mm. And that's just the, that's the NBA for you. Like he's got it. I think he could have success right away if he's in the right situation, mm. you know, and, and don't be surprised if Jalen Suggs is asking his way out because you got to perform, you know, and if he's in his third year, I think maybe it's the second year, but he's yeah. not really getting any run. And that's a that's a tough thing, you know. They they picked him. They're like, hey, best available. This guy's great, and he's probably a, still a great trade asset for the Magic. But man, when you're not playing on a team that's trying to play young guys, it just shows me. It reiterates, you know, what I already know is, yeah, you got to be good. You got to have the game that translates to the NBA. But you got you need to get lucky. You got to get picked by the right team. Uh. I want to talk about the other part of Jalen's game that I just find so impressive, which has nothing to do with making baskets or great vision or controlling the tempo. We are in an era where, you know, ESPN highlights, uh, YouTube, TikTok highlights, talking trash online, talking trash during the game, making a show of yourself. I mean, I don't even want to get into like the Brandon Miller crap that's been going on at Alabama and what they, what he did in his like starting lineup announcement line, which was just so offensive and ridiculous, but we are in a look at me, look at me era, especially for young kids. They've grown up with social media. That's all about, look at me. I'm a star. I'm going to make myself a celebrity. Jalen doesn't seem to have any of that. He doesn't, he's not demonstrative. He makes a shot. Maybe he'll clap for himself on the way back or like try to get hyped up, but he has the same demeanor, whether it's going really well or going really poorly. And his maturity just seems to be off the charts. No emotion, doesn't get worried about referees, doesn't complain after he gets hit or bumped, just plays. How refreshing is that? Dutch to see that with a kid playing at Indiana who's 19 years old. Oh, it's bittersweet, man. I, we're going to lose him uh, too soon, but I I can't. You you remember me playing? I I was similar in that I tried not yeah. to just rah rah myself or anything else. I was trying to model myself after my favorite player, Larry Bird, who never did that. 
he never did any of that rah-rah stuff. You know, huge supporter of his teammates. He'd celebrate quicker by a teammate's bucket versus anything he did. Everything he did, he looked like he expected to do it. I just love that about Larry. I wanted to be that way. I see so much of that in this kid. I'm impressed. I, I'd like to know more. I'd like to understand his upbringing. It, did his parents have anything to do with that? Because it is, you know, wildly refreshing to me. I love it too. I mean, it's it's what stands out the most. I mean, I like his game. I like his mid range, all that stuff. But his demeanor is what stands out to me the most. Yes, I I couldn't agree more. And it's a big shout out. We've gotten to know his mom a little bit because we've made NIL deals with him, but his mom, Angel Shafino, um, has done just an incredible job of raising not just him, but his younger sister as well. And the relationship that exists there between the older brother and younger sister is remarkable. I mean, and, and the first time we met Jalen and had him on the show and listened to him talk about his sister, it, you could tell there's just something different about this kid, a sense of responsibility and maturity and setting a good example for his younger sister. There is just something special to this kid and that family. And, and, and this is why, like, look, I know everybody talks about, we want to have Indiana kids. We want to have Indiana kids. This kid's not from Indiana. He didn't know the history of Indiana, but he's an Indiana kid. He's what we want out of representing the candy stripes and the Indiana on the front of the Jersey. And you're right. It is bittersweet because we're going to lose him. but I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade the one year we're getting to see him for four years of a guy who doesn't come close to what he is. This is special. And, and beating Purdue at Purdue and leading the team, the way he has is remarkable. No, yeah, I'm with you a hundred percent. It's, I really am. I, I just watch him on the court. He's not getting frazzled by anything, but also to go in that environment and keep his head cool and they're chanting at him and everything else. I mean, that's, it's hostile. And man, they, they, they were sitting on their hands at the end of that game. I mean, there was, there was nothing. We went back and watched the first half last night and it was hyped. They were going crazy. And it, mm -hmm. it was the, the fact that they weathered that storm and, his first half was just unbelievable. He showed us everything he had. I think rewatching the game myself, um, let's let's swing the ball over to somebody who I appreciated. Wait, what, sorry, before you swing it over, because I, I totally get that. I wanted to bring up one thing that is a is a Dutch Jalen Hood Shafino parallel. Okay. That I wanted to bring up real quick. Uh a few games ago, Jalen had a terrible game shooting the ball. Uh, I'm trying to bring it up. Yeah, it was against Maryland. He went one of 14. Wow, that's already like eight games ago. But he went one of 14, you know, and we did not play well in that game and we lost. After that game, he was asked, you know, how do you deal with, you know, having such a bad game? And his response reminded me of the classic Dutch story of Bobby Knight yelling at you and screaming your name, Evans, you, MF, you know, whatever he was doing. And you just leaving practice going, I can't believe he knows my name. Like, that's what you told us, which we loved and was such a great attitude. Shafino was asked about the one for 14 being a bad game. And his response was, I don't really look at it like a bad game. I got to shoot 14 shots in a college basketball game. Like, he, <laughs> had, he had such a different perspective 
on missing that many shots that it reminded me of your perspective on taking something that could be negative, but instead just flipping it and allowing him to just discard it and not be consumed by it. I, I did think there was a parallel to the Dutch story. Well, I, I'm humbled by that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know that he, that he said that. But, yeah, there's something to it. You, it's, it's already in the books, right? You're going you're gonna to sit around and beat yourself up over it? Yeah, he's, I'm sure he stayed after practice. He got a few more shots up, but didn't, didn't shake his confidence at all. Not at all. Right. Well, and we've even seen it within games where he has a couple of bad shots or uh, against Illinois with the, the hysterics in attendance trying trying to bring the bad mojo, and it, he seemingly threw away a crucial uh, pass that led to an easy two for Illinois, then came right back down and just buried another jumper to get us right back in it. Um, but let's let's turn to his back to backcourt teammate because I think upon further review, even though we all knew Trey was having a great game as it was going on, upon further review, it's just like oh, he was doing so many little things so well, and I just wanted to get Dutch your perspective on what Trey Galloway meant in that game in that environment and what you're seeing from him here in his third year developing as this plucky kid out of Culver. Well, I like him. You know that. I mean, he's a, he's one of the guys that, you know, at times has been frustrating as he's, you know, just has enough games where statistically he doesn't look that good in the box score. I think he always looks pretty good during the game because he gives us a great effort. You know, mm-hmm. you see him and he's he's up and he's he's – competing he's getting into whoever he's guarding he's in that guy's jock you know and he's giving him a hard time and you know you're getting an effort from him um earlier it was like oh, i got it you know his shot looked didn't look good i mean just form it just didn't look good it looked flat and i was like gosh if this guy could add it if this guy could make shots he's a, he's a great asset because he plays hard um now you've seen him make shots and he made him in a tough environment i'm he's a guy that i'm excited going i think he needed that you know i don't know how uh, confident he is of, of a player, but I, I certainly his confidence should grow from the way he played in that game. He, you, you get the sense his teammates trust him. He's got some leadership skills. You could, you could see that. And when they're huddling up, you know, on the court, he's talking and he's, he's got a lot of energy. I think he's a huge part of the team. His teammates trust him. Well, and about confidence, it's like one, two of his best plays didn't even end up being in the box score. He makes an amazing pass, whipping the ball down the baseline to the corner. I believe it was Miller couldn't land the three-pointer, but it was an incredible dish, so nothing there. And then you got to have some serious confidence to try to throw it down on the head of Zach Eady. Like, it didn't work out, but you had to love the effort there, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, he's, you know, he's got some stones, and he, he's playing hard, and he was – in the, in the flow of the game and tried to poke it on him. I thought it was awesome. And, you know, at the time, I, I don't remember the score thinking, oh, that'd have been, you know, huge if that would have gone in. Uh, but at the same time, I was like, Hey, he went for it. And I think it's a big deal. And again, I, I see, I think the team feeds off of his energy and yeah, they're calling him crazy man or whatever. I've read this today. Um, I get it. I mean, he's, he's established himself as a guy that's going to go really hard and, and bring a lot of energy to the court. I, he's a player that I've liked from day one. 
and he, you know, maybe it was that wrist injury last year. You know, he didn't have a great sophomore year because of the injuries, but man, he's, he's made himself a better player. He's made himself a better shooter. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was an old mobster known as crazy Joe Gallo. He was a crazy, crazy man, like just a lunatic, even for mafia standards, he was crazy. And they do call Galloway Gallo. So I do think his new nickname is Crazy Trey Gallo. I mean, that is oh, a good nickname. That's a good it. nickname. I like it. Um, I like it. By the way, talking about Trey's stones, which I totally agree, Ward and Dutch, what you were saying about just going for it on that dunk. But yeah, I'm I'm into the Dutch, just so yeah. you know. I'm yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but there were two other plays that I thought were were just filled with stones. One less so, but he had that great pick and roll where he played that, uh, made that pocket pass to tr- uh, to Trace, who then went in for the um, reverse layup, which was a huge moment. Great but the dish. other one was like, you know, Purdue trying to come back, down 11, down 9, trying to come back. He gets the rebound and throws it the length of the court over to Purdue players to Trace. It would have been very easy to just swallow that ball, run clock, but no, he saw his big man sprinting out, rim running, gave it to him in a crucial part of the game that really was kind of a nail in the coffin. I just, lo- I just love that he has the stones to do something like that. I loved it. Yeah, I was. I mean, that was like a no, 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 yes kind of play. <laughs> and and when they replayed it, I mean, it was on a dime. I mean, it couldn't have been any you know, a half a step behind him. They were right behind him. You know, I mean it that would have gotten stolen. And, uh, you know, if you let him too much, I mean, it was, a, it was perfect. And uh, yeah, it took a, it took some stones to throw it. I, I like the way he plays. It's not reckless. I, I don't see that at all. I, I see just a ton of effort and he's, he's not playing scared. I, I, there was a time early in the year that just, he seemed more tentative. He's not now. Totally. By the way, real quick, we talk about this all the time. And it was one of the great joys of watching your career was seeing how a, a player progresses year by year. Clearly, with a guy like Jalen, we're not going to see that. We're going to watch his progression in pro in the pros. But the mm-hmm. college game is the best when you can watch a guy progress. And obviously, you know, you went from a, a good player to Big Ten Player of the Year and an NBA player that I don't think many people saw coming, and it was such a joy to watch. But Trey Galloway's been there three years now. First year, he shot 18.2% from three. Second year, 21.4. This year, he's shooting 51.9. Now, granted, he doesn't shoot a ton, but he's shooting a lot more than he shot his first two years. He's 27 of 52. He's taking two threes a game right now. But the last few games, last two games, he's hit three threes in each game. He's obviously getting more comfortable. His his rebounds have gone from 1.9 his first year to three this year. Assists have gone from 1.6 to two. Points per game have gone from 3.6 his freshman year to 7.3 this year. I mean, the progression is so much a part of why college basketball is the greatest sport in the world, because you get to follow these young men and watch them progress and watch them put in the work to grow. And you don't get better the way Trey is getting better without work ethic. And I just, I give him credit and I give the staff credit for working with him. We know that we had Brian Walsh on before this year, and he talked about the little mechanical things that they were working on with Trey in his shot to fix those things. Well, it's clearly worked. I mean, it has clearly worked. That's kudos to Trey for putting in the work, and you got to give it to the staff for helping to develop them. We and we we're in desperate need of a couple 
good player development stories, right? Yes. That needs to be part of what this staff does. And, yes. you know, it, it, I don't think it has been yet. Uh, um, this this could be the first case where, like, hey, this guy's he, he dramatically improved his three-point shot. I mean, there's there's probably part of it. I didn't understand how he wasn't a better shooter. And it could have been, you know, your first two years, you, you're not going to be a volume shooter. So, you know, you're trying to make the right play. You're trying to stay in the game. And that, that you know, he's he's got the freedom now to know, hey, I can – they want. They need me to score. They need me to make some shots, and I'm going to stay on the court regardless. That'll free a guy up. And so maybe, maybe it wasn't as much mechanical. Um, it didn't look great. I will say that, and it could be part of yeah, the, that I mean, wrist injury. There's more know, arc on it now, for sure. Totally. It does. I, look I agree different. with that. It does look. It does. Different. Something has changed. Um, let no, we we needed that. We needed that story. We need that, and it'd be great to see more guys. And, and I think I think there's a couple of those that are developing right now that hopefully when they come back next year, we're hoping renew obviously comes back a different player and a more confident polished player next year. But I want to see more player development wins. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you because look, I mean, we don't have to belabor the point, but clearly the steps forward we thought we were going to get with Jordan Geronimo and Tamar Bates this year have not happened uh, nearly, you know, there's been little flashes for both of them, but, I, I just don't think it's fair to say that they've developed anywhere close to where we thought they would. And so that's been disappointing, but clearly Trey has. Let's talk about though, another guy that had a really good game who I know it's weird to talk about development because he's 45 years old and playing for Indiana in his 15th year of college basketball, but Miller cop had a big game and he's not developed like the way Trey has but his role on the team has clearly developed and evolved. And he's an important piece of this team. And I just was really impressed with his overall effort and game and hit some big shots on Saturday as well. What'd you think of Miller? Uh, you know, I, I think I'm a little too hard on him uh, for whatever reason. I don't know why, but I, I feel like I have been. Um, when I look at his stats and his percentages, they're, they're better than, what I thought, right? I, I, when I watch game after game, there's too many games. I obviously like him because I want him to shoot more, right? And I and my frustration with him sometimes is, how the hell are you playing 32 minutes and one for three? Mm -hmm. You know? Yep. I think I could get more shots up, and I can't change ends at all. I'm stuck <laughs> at one end. And you know it's not going to be the defensive end. <laughs> right. Um, no, so I, I think I, I, I like the kid. I I think he's got a, a nice personality. You could tell his teammates respect him. And, you know, I, I saw that his – I just looked at those percentages, and they're just better than I feel like they are when I'm watching him. And, you know, at the first – I think his first three shots he missed, and, I, and they were all really good looks. And I think, you know, I'm, a, I'm quickly critical of him. And I don't know if it's – because I, I do think he's a really good shooter. Maybe that's why I'm critical of him. And if he gets beat on defense, it's like it's like I've, for whatever reason, he's the guy I target, you know, <laughs> yeah. try to get mad at. And I, I don't know why I do that with him. But when I, I just see his mistakes and when he gets beat on defense and he's not taking shots, I'm going, I want him out of there. It's like either take shots, you can be a little bit of a defensive liability if you're aggressive and making shots. And so when he's having those games that he, didn't get a lot of opportunities and I see him get beat on defense. I wonder why he's out there. I, I just think I've been a little bit too critical of him. Well, I think trace agrees with you. Trace has been known to just yell at him to take his shots and get really frustrated when he doesn't. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then on the defensive end, maybe he doesn't quite have the foot speed to always stay in front of his guy. But, you know, hearing the staff talk, it seems like he's really a glue guy out there, much like race of just making sure everybody knows where they're supposed to be in the position and, and the rotation. So it seems like he's one of these guys who's, doing everything he can to make up for whatever natural deficiencies he has with what he can do. Um, But I I think watching back that game, warming up from the outside, even kind of driving the lane, something we haven't seen him really able to do and get up a tough shot that falls um, going to the rim. It just, it just seemed like there was this growing confidence within the team as the second half progressed that everybody was like, Oh, Oh, I can do this too. And with Miller, you know, look, I don't know if you saw the video Dutch, but when they're in the locker room celebrating afterwards, and I don't know how you feel about those going out on social media. I love them, but you see them all dancing in the middle and there's this great pan over to Miller and he's just holding the boom box up like John Cusack and say anything, just playing the tunes for the team. And I, I, I do. I think they've got a real good energy right now. Well, when you don't have any dance moves, he's a smart kid. Just hold the jam box. <laughs> you know, I, I could see myself having done that. That's that's what you have to do when you don't have the moves. Um, no, they do. They, I, I agree with all that. And, you know, certainly he's got leadership responsibilities on that team, and you keep hearing it from the staff. So he's he obviously matters on the defensive end. It's more than just does he get beat, you know, laterally a couple times a game um he, he brings more than that there's no there's no doubt and again i'm trying to i i understand trace's frustration i mean trace needs to be frustrated because when when a guy like him doesn't take the shots they can hone in and focus that much more of their attention on trace and he knows man it's hard to find an open look in the big 10 when when you have one and you're a great shooter you got to take the shot and she can't be bashful at all. And, and Trace knows if he doesn't get it going, it's just going to clog things up that much more for him. Uh, so, I, yeah, we got to just keep on rooting for him to be aggressive. And, you know, he's capable of scoring 20 about any night. And um, he's obviously solidified that role on the team. So I'm a fan, and I want him to, you know, finish his 15th year healthy and see if we can make a run in the tournament. Um. As impressive as Jalen Hood Shafino was, and there's no argument there, I honestly think maybe the most impressive story that came out of that game might be that we won and handled them. Like the game never got really close after we went up by four, about four mm-hmm. minutes into the second half. We went from down four to up four in four minutes, an eight point swing, and then it never got real close after that. We handled them without Trace Jackson Davis doing what Trace Jackson Davis has done for the last, you know, for this year, for 2023. And if you had said before the game, Trace is going to score 10, not have double-digit rebounds, not have a ton of blocks, not score anything in the first half, and Indiana's going to handle Purdue at Purdue, no one would take that bet. And I'm impressed that obviously Jalen had a lot to do with that. But I am also impressed with what Trace did in the second half. And I do want to say this. There was something wrong with him. There was, he was, there was something going on with his upper body, and he was wearing something under that shirt. 
that they're just keeping quiet for some reason. I mean, but it's clear that something happened and he was not himself in that first half. Second half, maybe his body got loose. Maybe they had to pay more attention to Jalen. So it opened up those pick and rolls a little bit for, for trace. And he did get like a, a, you know, a garbage put back on one of Jalen's misses, but I was impressed that trace didn't force, didn't try to be like, Hey, this is my time. It's my legacy. I need to be the guy. He did what he had to do in the second half to help us win the game. And I'm not sure we win the game without his 10 points and eight assists or seven assists, eight rebounds, seven assists. He almost got a triple double in the second half. Yeah. I mean, he was, he filled an unbelievable role in that second half. But I do think the story was how impressive it is that we handled Purdue at Purdue, the number five team in the country, without our best player having anywhere close to his best game. Well, we beat him like that last year at home. I mean, he didn't, he was in foul trouble and wasn't, didn't play much, didn't play well. You know, playing against that height has not been his thing, right? And so at his, Edie's good defensively. I mean, he gives you just enough room. He knows Trace isn't going to shoot it. And so he's given ground, but you still got to shoot over a 7-5 guy at the rim. It's not a good matchup for him, right? Right. If he's not going to get it off the backboard or in transition, that's just not a game to keep dumping it down to him. I think it was smart to bring out and put him in ball screens, yeah. give him a chance to roll. Um, but, but what we've done against everything, I, I mean, I was saying the pr- a prayer before the game, are we pleased don't come in and just try to dump it down on the block to him every single possession, how we've played in a lot of games and had success doing when he can beat somebody off the dribble. It, it wasn't that kind of game. I was afraid that's what we were going to do and just stick to that routine. And we didn't, I think putting any of our guys up in a ball screen with trace is, is a good idea. I mean, Certainly Jalen was having his day, but even Galloway, you know, you get him on the run, you give him a, he's not going to beat anyone off a dribble unless he gets a screen. And then he can maybe get ahead of steam and make a play going towards the basket or kick it out, which that happens several times. I'm just glad we didn't go with a three out two in and just try to dump it into him against E. That would have been a horrible game plan. Well, yeah, and I think, I you're, think right. you're, this is what you're starting to get into. We've looked at a lot of the individual pieces, but what did you see from Coach Woodson and the staff, whether it be preparation for the game or adjustments within the game that impressed you? Because early on in, in this season, when things weren't going well, we were all kind of holding our heads and being like, what what are we trying to do out there? What What did you see coming from the bench that you're like, okay, guys, yeah, yeah, you're kind of sticking it to painter. I like this. You know, I, I don't necessarily see any adjustments in game that were made. I, I would need to watch it again, to be honest with you. I, I was having so much fun just sitting there watching us hang in there because I, I just didn't like our chances before the game. Just with everything they had on the line and the time off they had to prepare – I, I did. I really just thought, guess this is a tough place to play. And if he doesn't have a great game, if you just showed me that we were going to get out rebounded and he was going to score 10 points, I mean, I would have bet anything that we got just killed in the game. Right. But this is, you know, there's something cool about this. I, you know, we'll see what it turns into, but that group of guys t- to learn that they could win with him having an off night in that location this is about making shots, guys. It's early in the year. We just were like, we're the worst three-point shooting team in, that I've ever seen. 
we're playing, you know, we're just clanking them. Like you're getting wide open looks against, you know, the cream puffs on our schedule and we're shooting a bad percentage in those games. It was easy to think, how ugly is this going to get in the big 10? Since that time, we've turned in a team that can make threes and we're making them out of high percentage. It's, it's a head scratcher, to be honest, from how we looked early in the season. You know I mean? When you're just beating people by 40 and not shooting well, right. You know, he's dominating inside, but we were not shooting with, you know, with a good percentage. So I'm hoping this catapults these guys and they realize we have to make shots. We have to shoot shots. We can't, we can't sit back and just dump it down to him all day long. I think he's in a place now that he feels so good. He's got so much confidence that he's okay being less of the focal point. And that's important. You know, I totally let's put it on these guys. Let's, we gotta, we have to elevate the expectations that we put on these guys. And I hope that's what's happening in the locker room. You talk about what is the staff doing? I hope what they're doing is just filling these guys full of confidence going, look, I'm yanking you. If you don't shoot, you got to shoot, you, you know, and we, we trust you to shoot. I hope that's their contribution more than any other adjustment. Again, we go back to that, the skid we were on. This all starts and stops with competing and playing really hard, playing your yeah. ass off for the, the name on the front of the Jersey. And that's what they look like they're doing. And I, they did not look like that's who they were, you know, 15, 10, 15 games ago. I, I totally agree. I love the quote that Jalen Hood Shafino had when they asked him after the game, you know, about the performance, what it means. He goes, well, I'm 2-0 versus Purdue. That feels really good. <laughs> like that, that, I like that, that he's adopted that. I do want to say one thing about um, uh, an adjustment, and then I'm going to bring up something controversial. Uh, I think the adjustment they made was pretty early on in the game. I watched it a few times now. Um, the BTN network, when they do those games in 60, when they edit the game down to one hour, that is awesome. That yeah. is the best oh, way to no. watch the game. Um, but if you go back and look at those first few possessions, first possession of the game offensively, we try to get it into Trace. They put Caleb first on him instead of Edie to start the game. First steals the ball. We come back down. We try to get it into Trace again. We pounded it. We pounded it. And they were just not. And then when Trace got it, they did not let him get any kind of room to do anything. We get to that first four-minute timeout, and it did seem like, okay, what you were saying before, Dutch, they brought Trace up in pick and rolls now. Give the ball to Jalen and let Jalen make the decision, as opposed to letting Trace play that point center that we've seen so often over the last 15 games. That was not what they ended up doing after the TV timeout. It was, we're not going to do that. They're not letting Trace get any daylight. Jalen's going to be the point guard and run the team. So I do think they made that quick adjustment and it affected everything. I mean, and and then truthfully, Purdue made no adjustment to impact Jalen. And that was shocking to me that they weren't doing anything to bother him. He he got exactly where he wanted throughout the game. And, and part of that is they didn't adjust. And part of that is Jalen is really, really good. So yeah, if it's both. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you know, I heard somebody talking about that on the radio this morning. You know, what a, you know, some Purdue fan going crazy trying to get Matt Painter fired. That's how smart their fan base is. Um, <laughs> trying to get Matt Painter fired. Unbelievable. Anyway, he, uh, I, I don't know what you do in that situation. I mean, he didn't have 35 until he had 35, right? He had a really <laughs> yeah. good first half. And, but you, but Trace had zero. So I think the argument is, I, I don't know that you're supposed to adjust at that point in time. You're keeping the All-American at zero. That's right. You keep yeah, the All-American at zero. Sure, they're talking about him at halftime, but I don't think you you say, hey, 
they put a ton of effort and emphasis into how they were going to play against Trace, and they they chose the right uh, strategy. There's no question. I mean, he when he was catching the ball, he was like, "Where do I go? There's nowhere to go. There's five guys staring at me and hedging towards me." And you know, when he turned the when he threw it the other direction, he cross court and threw that away on that second turnover. I was saying, oh, shit, we are in trouble. Right. Just like you said. So that adjustment to bring it up top was a big deal. How do you stop Jalen? And he's doing it so on his own time. I I don't think you start running a double team at a guy that's bringing it up the court. You know, I don't think he warranted that kind of attention. And he he just kept getting it done. So he he did it throughout the game. And I don't know. I I don't know if Matt has it over. It'd be really fascinating to hear him talk about it you know did he does he regret not making an adjustment and and running at him i don't know i think you keep the all-american in check and you say is this guy really going to be able to continue to make these tough shots it's not like he was shooting open shots no. he gets to where he wants to and rises above you makes a shot I, I don't think you start running double teams at him and risk getting trace going i i think it's a great point all right i'm going to bring up something controversial ward brought it up already I didn't take the bait then, but I'm going to take it now. All right. After the game, Indiana put out a couple videos, uh, several videos. And I get it. This is the era that we're in. It's in, Social media is important. Recruits live on social media. They see this stuff. It gets passed around. You know, you are always selling your program. Always. So I get that. And I, I understand it and support it, truthfully, because I realize that's the world we live in. I loved Woody's video that they put out. I don't know if you saw that one, Dutch, but Woody came in and was like, celebrate tonight. I get it, but it's in the past, and you have to come home and validate what we did tonight and win these next two games at home. That's how we validate what we did tonight. Great win, but he was seconds after the game ended, was like, this one's behind us, and I loved that. I thought that was great. It showed a focus. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I don't, sorry, go ahead. Good. I, 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 unless it just randomly pops on Instagram and it, the right. video makes me watch it. I, I don't go hunting for any of that locker room stuff. Um, and yeah, that's saying the right stuff. I mean, it is, I, that's what he should say. I don't, I don't know of a coach that wouldn't say, Hey, you guys, you know, you did it. Go celebrate for, I think they've done that before. I think they've actually. Last year they beat Purdue. I think they did go to Kilroy's for four days straight, and it showed. <laughs> and the mission. I, I agree. That, I, I agree. Let's hope that the, yeah. Let's hope that there's some maturity now. I think there is too. I, I'm telling you, I, I do think that there is, and I'm anxious to see tomorrow night. I really am, and, and and especially the way we lost to them last time. I don't forget that shit either. I mean, you go there and the way we folded there. I mean, I want mm. revenge. You know, if I'm on that team, I am. I'm talking about that on the on the bus ride home. Let's I, watch that. Let's go home tonight and watch that th- that game start to finish and you know throw up, get it out of your system, and show up to kick their ass on Tuesday. I, I am totally with you. So here's the controversial part. I did not like the Yasir video. And let me explain why I didn't like it. And then Ward, you can tear it up. Uh, or Dutch, I'm curious what, what – you probably didn't see the video. But the video was – for those that didn't see it, Yasir comes into the 
first it was reported that Yasir is saying, screaming things like, this ain't the same Indiana, this ain't the same Indiana. Then the video Ooh. starts with him coming into the locker room screaming, where's my theme music, I think? Something like that, Ward? Is that about what he said? I didn't hear that. Yeah, I think it's, where's my music, where's my music? Then the music starts playing. The team forms a circle around him, celebrates with him. He's dancing in the middle. All right, so here's what I don't like. I love that the team is doing that and they have that energy, like you said, Ward. They they clearly have a camaraderie and a bond. I love that for them. I do not like the coaches ever making it about themselves in public. In public. I don't. Celebrate with Jalen Hood Shafino because he had a great game. Awesome. An assistant coach, the center of attention. I don't like it. I didn't like it when they made him the center of attention when he got his first win. And I like Yusir. Let me make it clear. Ward, you know this. I genuinely like him. Uh, we're very friendly. I would call him a friend. I, I genuinely like him, and I think he's about the right things for Indiana. He understands the culture of Indiana. He's recruiting kids that fit the culture of Indiana. I love so much. I don't like Indiana putting that out where the coach, the assistant coach, is the center of attention and the story. That's, I don't like it. Dutch, what do you think? I don't like it either. In fact, I hate it. But I, it's, it's you guys, I've learned from you guys to pick my battles. You know, I can't, <laughs> I can't, I'm trying to change and evolve as a fan, and I'm, and I'm, I'm working at it. And so I'm not going to get all worried and jazzed up about it. I hate it, but I want to. On two levels. Why is he doing that? Why does he need the attention? Why does he want to go dance? Be a coach, not a player. Players do their thing. I, I don't understand that. Um, if I was Woody and I saw it, I'd, I'd be like, you know, I wouldn't stop him. But, you know, on the on the way home, I'd say, hey, bro, you know, enough already. Cut that shit out of your thing. You know, we don't need any more of that. You know, and let it go. I wouldn't make a big deal of it. But I don't. I I still want to point fingers at the social media people. Why? Are, whoever's in charge, it's just, you know, if I'm Woody and I know that I'm not, and he's not me, and I'm not him, but I would want to see what we're putting out there, and I would think he would have a problem with that too. What is he watching it? You guys would know way better than I would. I don't know, but I, I would have a problem with it if I was the head coach. Before Ward blows a gasket, I'll just say one more thing, and then the floor is yours. Sure. Where I differ from Brian on this one is that I do, I'm fine with it for the team. I am fine. They clearly love this guy. I mean, that is clear. They love him. He loves them. They have this relationship. And Dutch, I will say this, relationships that coaches have with players are different in 2023 than they were in 1993. It's a different 100%. world. Kids expect different things. They do look at these coaches as mentors, father figures at times, but also friends at times. And it's different. So I'm all for it for the team. I'm all for putting the video of Woody out. I'm all for putting the celebration dance with Jalen out. I just don't want to put out the public assistant coach as the center of attention. That's what I didn't like. Ward, go for it. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, you guys are crazy. Like that you you like that it actually occurs in your mind to be like upset at seeing anybody involved with the program celebrating after 
one of the biggest wins of the last like seven years to be like, let me find something to have a problem with there. It just doesn't even occur to me. Now, obviously there's all the optics thing. And yes, Sierra is trying to bring us in talent from down South who have no idea what Indiana basketball is about. And for those kids to see the way he has that kind of fun, boisterous relationship with those players, I think it's only good that that is out in the world in terms about i i have not seen anything with ya in his time at iu where he's like it's about me 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 this was like it was his scout the players you know wanted to celebrate with him he wasn't manufacturing it it was just a continuing spontaneous celebration as people came into the locker room and i i think to take you know it's not even taking the time to critique it but that it even like crosses your mind to be upset about it is completely foreign to me. Well, hold on. I think I think what you said is first off, well said. I think you make great points there. I am not making a big deal about it, and I'm you know you're you're putting it. I'm not upset. You're saying I'm upset. I'm not upset. You about hated it. it. No, I, I I said I don't like it. You, I don't. You use the word hate. But but in fairness, oh, he right. wasn't the one that brought this up. I was. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't stewing over this at all. I yeah, I, I caught wind of it a little bit. It's not my favorite thing, but I really hadn't looked at it like you just. You gave me a different perspective. The the kids that he's out recruiting, um, that that he's maybe forming a relationship and a bond with, and they're they're they like him, but they don't know anything else about IU basketball. They've just been contacted by him. I think you make a strong point to see him in the center circle, you know, albeit acting like he's a kid um, probably is a good thing for recruiting where they identify, they can show their folks or whoever it is. That's my guy. And look, they love him. I, I think that's, that's a good point. I, I hadn't put that much thought into it again. Cause I, I, I just realized that's, it's way different. You know, it's 30 years later. Wait, you Everything's think- different. Social media is different. I'm not a fan of it, right. but I, if it can help us get some recruits, I'll look the other way. How about that? You didn't do that with Norm Ellenberger. <laughs> there was uh in fact i never saw any dancing in the five years i was there i no, no one danced anywhere yeah i ward you bring up great points and i think you're right on them and i'm i'm conflicted on it because i love what yah is trying to do at indiana i love that the players have that relationship with him i love that uh, that players can communicate that to recruits, how great of a relationship they have with this staff and him. I love it. There was something about it making it public to everyone that from the Indiana accounts that I didn't love. And I could be, I'm, I'm, I, your point, you have the better points on this one. Mine is just like a visceral thing that is probably a leftover from, you know, you and I we're like right on the cusp of like, well, we're old. Let's just be honest. We're old. (laughs) And, and this is, but yet understand this new wave. And I think this is just like a leftover vestige of me thinking that the way Jalen hood Shafino acts on the court, that's what I like. And we go into Purdue and it's a business trip and we beat them and we pack up our shit and we leave and the hell with you, and it's not a national championship for us. It's not a conference championship for us. It's what we should be doing. And and so seeing, like, the mass celebration, um, 
on one hand, I love because I was celebrating like it was a national championship with you, Ward, on the phone. And then the other part of me going like, yeah, but this 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 is just a step on the road to where we want to go. And so let's now move to that. Dutch, you made some predictions for this team a while back that are pretty on. I mean, I think where you ended up getting us was 13 and seven in the big 10. When you made your predictions, yep. your, your predictions were we'd end up being 13 and seven. Now, a couple of the games have gone differently than you thought, mm -hmm. but we're on pace to go 13 and seven. However, I will say winning at Purdue is more impactful for me than than really any other win we have this year. I mean, just more. It, it just is because of who Purdue is, who we thought they were, uh, the history, the rivalry, all that, but also what it says about this team. What is the ceiling for this team now, Dutch? What do you think this team can do in the postseason? Um, I agree on the Purdue. I mean, that's the biggest win of the season by far. Uh, and for, for ranking for, for the bracketology stuff and, and just for the confidence factor of the team, that they could go in that environment, right? There's no question that's our best win. Um, I, I don't ever expect to win the Big Ten tournament just because we never do. Right. But, um, I you know, I, I think win a couple games there easily. You could easily win a couple. You could – this team has the capability to win that tournament. But beyond that, the real tournament um, – you know, as I watch college basketball this year, I don't see any, you know, I don't see any team that's, that stands out to me. I, and I've watched a lot of hoop this year because of what I'm seeing in the parody. There is no reason if you can go in and win that game, you can win in a neutral, you know, neutral setting and you could beat about anybody. I, I don't know why they don't have really high lofty aspirations of, of trying to win the whole thing, but you got, you, you don't, talk about it you don't tell any that needs to be a locker room thing there's no reason they shouldn't be having those conversations in the locker room guys we got to go one game at a time we could beat anybody on any given night but we got to now we got to go do it six times in a row yeah it, it is interesting ever since woody showed up up until a few days ago he's like I want to win the Big Ten title, and then I want to win the national championship. To put it out there like that, just repeatedly, it's almost like a mantra. It, it's it's interesting. I don't re recall another situation where where it is that, but then right bundled with that message is, but the only way you do that is by, all right, celebrate on the bus ride home, but then when we get back, let's start talking about stomping Iowa. So it is – this idea of this program having not been a Big Ten championship program for most of the last 20 years, with a couple of exceptions, with a team that can't, just doesn't have the horses to make a Final Four run, with a couple exceptions in the last 20 years, that it seems that that has needed to be ingrained, maybe especially with some of the, the players who've been there a few years and just not even finished in the top half of the Big Ten where to to achieve it like you just have to start wiring your brain differently like yep yep this is what we're this is why we're doing this this is why we're working really hard i don't know it seems to be working that's all 
That's all I got. Thanks for coming out, guys. I'll see myself out. <laughs> I thought Dutch would pick up on that. Well, I, no, I wanted, you know, I, I sometimes he doesn't get to talk enough on our show. <laughs> I wanted him to, I wanted him to get his point across. I can't just keep chiming in. I, you know, I, I don't have a, there wasn't a question at the end of that. No, no. I mean, <laughs> I can come like up- you said, like, I was supposed to clap. Like, after the intro, you give me an intro, and then you guys clap. I felt like I was supposed to clap after you said that. <laughs> well, it's, it's a psychology thing, right? Coach Knight, master psychologist. Like, with all his brilliance of X's and O's, he just knew what, what strings to pull to get people to perform. And I feel like you know, Woody has been so out front with what the goals are for this team that if they've been hearing them every day for the better part of two seasons, it's just like they're dreaming about hanging banners. And that would be completely worthless if they weren't putting in the work and showing progress game to game. But I just, I I like it. I liked it when in his opening press conference, he started talking about that. And here we are less than two years later being like, this is a team that if between Jalen and Trace, if they get two or three other guys to show up, truly could beat anybody in the country on a given night. No question. Just a statement. Yeah, I mean, you know what? We have a, we have a balance to us at least where there's not a ton of pressure on Trace to, you know, have 30 and 15 every night, you're not going to win the tournament through a, a big guy that can't play against other like big lengthy guys. And you're going to run into a situation where it's like, if he has to beat everybody by himself or just a little help, this diversifies us a ton, you know, put the ball in this kid's hands, let him probe around. If it's a matchup that trace can just destroy somebody. Well, that game, let's just keep dumping it down to him. Right. But keep the ball in this decision maker's hands. You know, if these other guys can stick in a, you know, Galloway and and Cop can knock in a few threes like they're doing, all of a sudden we got a we got a nice balanced offense that I think we could all enjoy watching. It it just hadn't been that. And again, we're we've been winning, but it's been like, golly, this is not gonna, you know, this is not gonna be a formula that can take us deep in the tournament if we can play the brand of basketball that we did the other night, gritty and tough and work the ball around and, and let's see if this kid can create every game. Well, all of a sudden I have some, I, I can think, well, you know what, why couldn't we match and start thinking about different teams? We ought to be able to play against any, any type of team. I totally, totally agree. All right. Uh, let's talk some random questions from your past. I, I came prepared with one or two this time. You ready? It's my favorite segment of our show. What is the most mad you were ever at a teammate at Indiana? Hmm. Gee whiz. Mm, Most mad. Yeah. Most angry. I don't know. I, I don't know that I've spent a bunch of time being angry at teammates. I, let me think. I don't know why I would have been mad at somebody, like, for not passing me the ball or, like. Well, or is just something, ha- like, I mean, look, the, Sharon, you know, when that stuff went down, uh, Neil Reed was a bit of a problem, obviously. Uh, you know, I mean, there were guys, I'm sure, that, like, missed things that they shouldn't have missed. You know, did any did anything like that happen that just really pissed you off where you're like, they're letting the team down now. 
you know, I, like I, I'll address like Sharon in particular. I know you guys know how I feel about him. I, I didn't want him kicked off the team. You know, I, I voiced that as loud as I could have under the circumstances of who we were talking about, who we we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took a bit and I, I got waterboarded quite a bit for it. And, you know, it was worth it to me because I, I really liked him. Um, I, I really can't, I can't tell you that I was ever really mad at a teammate. You know, stuff happens during the course of the year. You, you know, you'd make a, a bad decision here, or there on the court. I, I don't think anybody ever did anything that like got us beat in a game or got a technical, you know, doing some out of the ordinary that got us beat. Um, you know, we had a couple guys and, and they really could go without, na- you know, naming them that didn't bring their notebooks on the road. Um, which you had to do. You had to pack your own little red notebook and you keep notes. And anytime coach Knight was talking, you're writing in your notebook. And, you know, we, we show up in his hotel room. I remember, I think we were in Minnesota and we go up to his room and a couple guys come up to me in the hallway. and like, I didn't bring my notebook. Oh, and I'm like, you gotta, you gotta be kidding me. And we go in and I, he just annihilates me. <laughs> like, how could you come up to this room with these two guys without their notebook? And I took a, a pretty good beating for that, and I, but I expected it. I mean, when I when they came and the reason they came and told me is because they knew I was gonna get I was gonna get <laughs> chewed for it. That's about as mad as it could be. He's like, "Hey, dumbass, bring your notebook. I gotta I gotta check that you brought your notebook. This is bullshit that the guy yells at me when you don't bring your notebook. But don't do it again." So if I said it was Steve Hart, Charlie Miller, would either one of those be correct don't say anything if one of them is correct yeah okay all right all right ward um what what is the funniest thing you remember happening as an iu player the the hardest you laughed uh the stuff you guys talk about um when you're shooting the shit and thinking about the good old days man I mean, it's not like it's a bad question. If it was, I would tell you right away. It's not a bad question. I have no idea, though. I, I sitting here, you'd have to let me come back on your program again someday to bring answers to these questions. I, I, because I don't want to sit here with a bunch of dead airtime as I try to think. I don't, I don't know, guys. I, it's not like we sat around laughing our asses off. I, I think you remember what the climate was like then. There was, it was, I'm not gonna say strictly business, but it pretty much was i mean there wasn't we didn't spend a lot of time in the locker room laughing and cutting up there was no music in the locker room Mm. there's no there was nothing i mean it was it was cinder block walls with some signs on the wall you know saying victory favors the team that makes the fewest mistakes it was it was business and that didn't mean we we didn't have a good time together but man we were we were we were in his army and he was always nearby you know, he could walk through. There was two different doors to the locker room, and he could pop through either one at either time. If we weren't on the court, we were typically showering and getting the hell out of there. <laughs> okay, how about how about this? Take it in a totally different direction. Your childhood hero um, from from the hardwood of of ISU and Terre Haute, Larry Bird. I I think it would be magical to listen into you and Larry Legend having a conversation. Have you ever got to meet him? If so, how was that? If you haven't got to meet him, what would you want to talk to him about? 
Well, I've met him a lot of times. I met him for the first time when I was a little kid. Um, I thought we, I may have told one of these stories to you. So he, I've got a, a handful of really cool stories how this guy kind of impacted my childhood and, you know, just basketball career by watching him and, you know, meeting him at such a young age. It was really cool to say, okay, not only is this guy the best player in the world, he comes to, spends his summers, half his summer in Terre Haute, Indiana. That's a bizarre thing to think about. It would yeah. never happen with any other player like that. You know, they're in Vegas or L.A. or wherever they're at. The best player in the world, when I was 10, 11, 12, spent his summers in Terre Haute. And I'd see him. With, I used to rebound for him at the boys club. Mm. Wow. wow. So I used to stand under the basket and just whiz balls back to this guy with no words. Never once did he say, hey, how you doing? Thanks, kid. You know, he, he knew my father a little bit. He never pretended he, or he never acted like he knew who I was, but I got to rebound for the best, in my mind, the best shooter in the world. Just watching, just think about that. Just watching the rotation of the ball, watching the ball leave his hand hundreds, if not thousands of times. Just so incredibly lucky to be there in Terre Haute at that time. I used to go to the boys club in the morning at six in the morning, get dropped off before my parents went to work, hoping he'd show up. Wow. That's awesome. That is. That's awesome. All right. I don't care if it's AAU, ABCD camp, five-star camp, whatever, uh, high school, college pros. What is your single favorite shot or play that you made at any level of basketball? You've got somebody comes to you and says, you can only have one moment one shot or one play that will remain in your memory forever everything else gets wiped out what is the one moment you want to keep a snapshot of okay um pretty easy i'm playing in orlando and just coming off the ir with the shoulder injury so i'm let's take that back it could have been the beginning of my second year larry's coaching this the pacers um, I have two, I have two moments. I'm going to tell you both of them and you can tell, and then I think you'll understand why I have two and not one. Okay. So we're in, Mar we're in uh, market square and I'm in a three on two break and it's Derek Harper and Daryl Armstrong and myself. And it's Harper in the middle. I'm on the right wing. I'm running in front of the benches. So, so three on two and, and I'm like, take it to the other side, you know, take it to Daryl because then I know it's coming back to me for the shot. So I'm like, do not throw me this ball. I do not want it until it's been passed two more times. And sure enough. And Larry, you know, and I can't, I mean, it's Larry. I, I mean, I can't change ends without seeing him standing there going, there he is. Holy shit. There he is. He's watching me play. So I'm aware of him literally the entire game. <laughs> and I'm running, and here he is. And the ball goes to Daryl on the wing. So the guy down low recovers, right? And the ball comes back to the top. The top guy goes at Harper, and here it comes. And before it's in the air, Larry is right behind me, and he's yelling, Shooter! Shooter! Get oh. to the shooter! Oh, that's incredible. Coolest, coolest 
I mean, I had a hundred percent chance to knock this down, by the way. hundred. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way I was missing this shot. And I got to stick it in and just kind of backpedal. And I mean, I, I, I glanced over at him a little bit, but I'm just like, that's the coolest shit that ever happened. Mm. It's, that's the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. That's well, what's the second moment? So that same season, we're in Orlando. Now, my whole team knows that I've got this infatuation with Larry. I, I must have talked about it all the time. I had to. I don't, I don't remember it. I must have. And Brian Shaw, a uh, teammate of mine, was a teammate of Larry's with the Celtics for a couple a year, maybe, maybe Larry's last one or two years. And, and Brian, B. Shaw is a great dude. Mm. And I, I I just used to ask him for stories you know, all the time. Hey, give me a good Larry story. If we're on the bus for the plane, I'm like, tell me, you know, what would Larry have said? You know, I asked him a million questions. So I am in Orlando, halftime of a game. Chuck Daly's the coach. It's my second year. Larry, he he was a man of few words, even to his team. He basically let Harder run the def or the offense, and then uh, Carlisle ran the defense. And he let those guys talk at timeouts. I know you guys had to have seen that. Like he, he didn't, he didn't sit there and beat on them and constantly talking to them. That wasn't him. So at halftime, I didn't, I hadn't played in the first half, and I have no interest in sitting in there for 20 minutes. So as soon as Daly got done talking, I went back on the floor, and I'm at, I'm at our, you know, second half basket. Ball boys stand there rebounding for me. I'm just kind of shooting from the foul line, jump shots, and out of the tunnel comes Larry. And I'm the, I'm just, I'm the only one out there and he didn't want to stand around in the locker room. He's just like, let's get this, let's get on with the game. So he comes walking across and I'm, you know, I, I, I see him out of my periphery, like, fuck, there he is. And he's walking towards the bench. He's going to walk, you know, either onto the court or close to it to get to where he's going. And he stops under the basket and starts rebounding for me. Wow. What? Yeah. What? I bet you I shot. Oh yeah, I bet you I shot ten balls, no misses. By the way, yeah. that um he's fight he's he's throwing the ball back to me, not saying oh. shit. And I'm going I'm going. This is the I, there had to be seventeen thousand people here in the in the stadium going. Why is Larry Legend rebounding for our rookie that hardly plays? And wow. he's just throwing the back ball back to me. And I'm sitting there going, holy shit. I rebounded for this guy when I was 10. Yes. And he didn't, you know, he's, he's throwing the ball. And he said something pretty cool. He said something along the lines of, hey, you know, how you doing? You know, you can play in this league. You know that? You can play in this league. Mm. I was like, thanks. And then he walks off. <laughs> and I turn around like, did that even, did that really happen? I look back behind me, just checking, my, you know, my rearview mirror. B. Shaw is standing at half court, holding back the rest of the team. Oh wow! He wanted you to wow. Have so that is amazing. I gotta say, man, there's so much to unpack there. First off, one of the questions I was going to ask you is, what is the best thing that a teammate has ever done for you? Like the nicest thing. But I think that would be hard to beat what you just said. B. Shaw <laughs> giving you that moment—that's yeah. pretty. Yep. I mean, that's remarkable that what a what a cool I've heard great things about Brian Shaw. Everybody talks positively about him, but that shows a level of um, 
thoughtfulness, you know, that that is not common in just anyone. That's awesome that he let you have that moment. Do you Brian, oh, so do you, cool. Brian, do you think there is I mean, I would think Larry Legend understood your oh, you're the kid from Indiana, you know, comparable mm-hmm. size, good shooter. He probably knew that about you. Do you think there's any chance he knew that you used to rebound for him in Terre Haute? Um that's a great question. So it's too long of an answer, but I got a, there's a guy writing a book um, about Indiana, Indiana high school basketball. Well, it's not just high school, but guys that grew up and played high school here and either went to college in state or out of state, but he's, he's got like 40 different players that he's doing a chapter on. And somebody introduced him to me and he asked if I'd be interested. I said, sure. And we had about a two hour interview and told a lot of stories to him and you know, he, he, at the end, he goes, I got to tell you, your, your story is so much different than everybody else's. And I said, well, why, what do you mean? And he goes, well, most guys are talking about where they started in the game and it's really about them and you know, chronicling how they got better when they got better, all these different things. He goes, you just told a bunch of stories about Larry Bird. <laughs> I said, that's true. I said, but he, he had a huge impact on my, on my career. And just how I wanted to play. And I'm going to send you guys. So it's going to be in his book, but I'm going to send this to you because part of what he had, he was trying to get Larry to do it. Right. He was like, right. is there any way you can get Larry? It seems like you know him a little bit. And I said, no, I haven't spoken to him forever. And when we, when I did it, talk to me, it was five words. So I don't know him, know him. Mm-hmm. He's known. He's, he's certainly, he knew my father. He definitely knew us from Terre Haute. He came to scout a game when he first retired, he was scouting for the pace or for the Celtics. And when I was at IU and it was my sophomore year and I actually re-injured my shoulder. If you guys remember, I had dislocated it. I just missed a couple games, came back and played. And it was the only other time that I fully dislocated the shoulder again. And it was against Ohio state at home and he was there scouting. Oh, wow. And, you know, I wasn't a, you know, I, at the time I wasn't an NBA prospect by any means, but yeah, I knew somebody told me he was coming. One of the managers, they all knew how big of a fan I was. So, I was so incredibly hyped in that game to, to play in front of him. Yeah, I knew he knew who I was. I was Keith Evans' kid from Terre Haute. He knew. Mm-hmm. And I anyway, first two minutes of the game, I dislocate my shoulder and I'm out. So I'm in the locker room or the training room. You guys can picture where that is. I'm on one of the training tables. They, they got to come in and do this subluxation where they put it back into place, which is awful. Uh, just, you could basically move your arm in a big 360 degrees and all of a sudden it, at one point in time it's going to pop and go uh. back in it was horrible so they shot me up with something I couldn't tell you what um, to so so you're not in a ton of pain and you relax a little bit because you actually need to relax in order for it to even work it's the so same, they shot shit, me up it's with the same shit that I inject myself with before every podcast <laughs> right into the brain so, so I'm shot up and now it's halftime. If you guys remember the game, coach, and I believe that this happened for me, coach hated, you know, seeing me hurt, seeing me go through the injury. He got tossed from that game. Do you guys not remember this? I don't. We beat don't. Ohio State at home, I want to say in double overtime or overtime. He got tossed shortly after I left the game with the injured shoulder. And he barrels by so pissed off, goes by the locker room. And I'm in there at this point in time drinking a Coke and eating popcorn because <laughs> they shot me up with some stuff and they put my shoulder back. And now I'm just sitting there. And Larry walks in at halftime. Mm. He left the seats. He came in. 
it was, it was incredibly cool. He kind of pats me on the leg. He's like, how you doing? You doing okay? And, and again, the guy was a man of so few words. I was so looped on whatever drug they gave me. I start badgering him with questions about the big three and tell me about the chief. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing him out. I'm sure the guy walked out and was like, I shouldn't have gone in there. I should not have gone in there to say hi to that kid. Anyhow, back to this book, this book. Yeah. So in my chapter that I will send you guys, um, Please. He, he wanted to talk to Larry, but beyond that, he goes, does Larry have any idea that you rebounded for him at the boys club that you went to the boys club and camped out so you can rebound for him? Does he have any idea? I said, I, I really don't know. I, I don't know that he would have identified me as, you know, Keith Evans is, I, I have no idea. And he goes, don't you want to know? And I said, I kind of want to know. And so much of, of my chapter is about him. He's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta send this to him. He needs to read this. You know, the whole, rebounding you know uh, orlando thing he's like you gotta send this to him so i sent it to the director of scouting with the pacers ryan carr you guys know ryan yep and i said hey what, i want you to read this and he loved it he goes dude i was crying to this this is so cool mm. he's tight with larry he goes do you mind if i send this to him and i said well that makes me nervous number one and i can't imagine that he's that bored that he wants to read a chapter about me playing bat. you know about me I said, but if you think that he would, he goes, Brian, this is too cool. I, I think Larry would love this. Mm. He goes, I, he goes, I'm dying to know if, if he puts that together. And I said, I'm, I'm 90% sure he does not Now, you know, certainly in Orlando, he knows he, he probably did right. that, but not, not me as a kid. Right. And, uh, and so we haven't sent it to him, but I, I'm just kind of conflicted. <laughs> I'm, sure I want, like, I, I'm not sure I expect him to go read a chapter about me, but I'll send it to you guys. Yeah, please right. do. And keep that, us updated if you hear back from Ryan. I, I think this one's been our best segment. Th this one really led to some good shit. Well, good. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> All right. I got, I've got. i got one last question. Oh, go for it. Wow. Don't want to leave on a high note. Let's bring it back down. Yes. it's And it's, you know, it's a crucial one. It's something everybody's going to want to know. So I was going to come in. We're going to beat their ass. Done. Then... Our last game, Trace's last game at Assembly Hall against the Michigan Wolverines, Brian Evans, a.k.a. Dutch. Who are you going to be rooting for, Michigan or Indiana? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> my just, just for the record, my daughter roots for Indiana basketball, not Michigan basketball. Good I for drew her. the line. I drew the line there. Um, I admit that I, I'm trying to be a, a bigger – and better Michigan football fan, which I know is a little dicey. But, man, it was fun to win a bunch of games this year. Gosh, it felt <laughs> good to be on the win side. By, uh, by no, way. no. My daughter is a huge IU basketball fan. She's not rooting for Michigan now or ever. Uh, okay. I will good. I will cut this part out if the answer is negative. But you did tell me I'm going to be there for the Michigan game, the last game of the year. You did say that you would bring your daughter to that game. Is that still happening? Uh, if I can. If I can. Okay. It, that's a Saturday game, right? No, it's a Sunday game. Those are. It's going to be all about her tournament schedule. Okay. And yeah. so Next Sunday. For both, of, for both of us. I mean, if, I'm, if all my girls are playing in different places, I, I'm not going to be able to be there either. Uh, if, if I can, 100%, I'll be there. All right. With Father, a good Hoosier. 
Well, Dutch, we've covered a lot of ground today. I think we have solidified the nickname in the Hoosier hysterics world. I think that that, that is going to catch fire, and, and <laughs> we, we can only hope that it spreads uh, across the country and across the globe. We're listened to internationally. As always, you're a pleasure to talk to. You know, it is weird talking to you in such a good mood about Indiana basketball. It's weird. I, I could get used to this. Yeah. I mean, I like it. I like it a lot. You are our human barometer on how things with Indiana basketball are going. If you're in a good mood, things are really good. You know what? Thank you for saying that. But guys, it's it, for me, it's just really simple. Like I want us to be really good. I want us to just do the core things that you got. You got to compete. It's all the little simple stuff. I, no one loves watching them win more than me. I love it. I'm, a, I'm their biggest fan, but when they're, stinking up the joint we have to call them out we have to i agree or or or, we're just or we're just fanboys well it's like with my wife when she shows me an outfit she's like what do you think and i'm like "Eh, it's not great and maybe she gets a little upset but then it means so much more when i she shows me an outfit i'm like yeah that looks great because if you're just praising them all the time no matter what it it takes away the meaning when you're really on board with something. Hey, that's your best. You know what? That's a great analogy. This has been your best show. I'll just throw it right back at you. Man, Dutch, that means a lot coming from you. Thanks, friend. Finally (laughs) got there after four and a half years. Good job. (laughs) All right, Dutch. Well, uh, good luck to all your daughter's tournaments over the weekend, and hopefully they don't conflict, because I'd love to see you in Assembly Hall. Awesome, boys. That was fun. We'll do it again soon. That was a guest. That was a guest. Oh, man. He's just always fun, but he is more fun when things are rolling. He wants to share stories about Larry Bird. He'll dip back into some good old story time with the Dutch. It's uh, it, That's what we should call it. It's story time with Dutch. With Dutch. I think we ease the fan base into it uh, in the title of this this episode. Like Brian, quote, Dutch Evans. They start seeing it, acclimating to it, and then once they've listened to this whole episode, I think he'll he'll be known as Dutch henceforth. Well, we got a big game tonight. We got a big game tonight. We got to carry this forward, this momentum. I'm excited to see us smack the shit out of Iowa, which is exactly what we should do. And also, who knows? Maybe Xavier Johnson plays. Fingers crossed. Either way, I think this team not only is overflowing with confidence in what they can achieve, but have such a huge chip on their shoulder, not, not only against Iowa and, and that psychopath Fran that they want to put in their proper place, but for themselves, for having blown that lead in Iowa, they've, they've, I'm sure they've laid awake at night since then being like, God, if we just hadn't done that. And, you know, they do the math in their head that their one uh, 17 point lead blown against Iowa from being really nipping at Purdue's heels for the Big Ten title. So that they're going to, I think they're, they better come out on fire and I expect them to. Uh, yeah. And look, I really hope X does play because I just want to see that guy back. Um, we've gotten to know him over the last two plus years and really enjoy him and, and love his persona and his energy. And I want him to have a special end to his IU career. 
And if he has a special end to his IU career, it's going to be a really special season into the postseason. So you're absolutely let's do it against right. Iowa. And, and it, let's it, also not forget women's Big Ten tournament starts this week as well. Yeah. Just to follow up on the X thing, he can't just show back up and be X of old in his first game back. Who knows, depending on how far these tournament runs go how close we'll we'll get to be seeing X at 100%. But I do feel like if he gets in two regular season games, a game or two in the Big Ten tournament, who knows, maybe three, um, that we could really have him in, in a game shape and caught back up to speed, not 100%, but if he's truly a viable uh, piece of the rotation going into March Madness, look out everybody else in the country. I'm with you. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I, but, but the sometimes, the sometimes why. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a screaming shout. I love of Indiana, his manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.